0: Um, in my uh, early years of ministry, as I uh, began into uh, ministry years ago, I really struggled with understanding how to lead church. And most of my colleagues would tell me that you lead church by teaching and preaching in the environment that I grew up in and in the tradition I was a part of. And I knew that was true. You teach from the Word, you preach from the Word, and yet I also knew that every church has a culture. Every church has a philosophy. Every church has a certain way of, of doing things. And so in my early years, I, I came to the decision that one of the ways of leading and, and a church, and it's part of the way of doing it, is of course by teaching and preaching. And yet every church had a distinct calling from God as to what it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to do. Some things are true of all churches. All of us should be churches of the word. All of us should be places of prayer. All of us should be places of fellowship. All of us should be sacrificial. All of us should be understanding spiritual gifts. There are some things in Scripture that are true to every church in every place for all time, everywhere. But then there are some things that are very particularly true to specific churches, to where they live. I grew up in a church that was in an area uh, surrounded by farmland that's now become a small town, and how they understand church is different than how we understand church in urban Hamilton. And I would say this, that at one time in my ministry, this may be more 10 to 15 years ago, more people would leave and gather at churches due to the philosophy of church than the doctrine of church. There was a time and a season for a fairly long time in my early years of ministry where when you walk from one church to another, when you decide to leave church A and go to church B, that the doctrine was very similar. What we believed about the word of God, what we believed about moral uh, systems and structures, what we understood about who God was, who we are. And I know there's some distinctions in that, but for the most part, it was so similar that tr- people go to many churches in even the Hamilton area and with some distinctives know that you were still in a Bible-believing, God-honoring, evangelical tradition that is not as true anymore and so years ago our elders began to just prayerfully discern what is god calling us to it happened first leave 26 years ago when i was first here a group of us gathered in a living room and just said okay there's this building with a dirt basement that god has given us in a neighborhood that's the third poorest community in canada has god called us here for any purpose or reason or could we sell this and just move somewhere else? I mean, has God actually asked us to be here, or can we go anywhere? And at that time, we together discerned that God had called us specifically to stay in this neighborhood. That decision has lasted over the years, including the decision in 2010 to purchase this property. We could have bought them with the same amount of money, significantly, or properties with significant more land, elsewhere. We could have gone way further out and bought a piece of property for $1.3 million that would have been significantly larger than this piece was. But we truly believed that this was God's calling on our life, that he wanted us here. And so then in June, our elders gathered again. We've done this over the years, this time under the facilitation leadership of Steve Harris, and we prayerfully began to discern what's God calling us to in this next season. What is God calling us to over the next three years, what does that look like? Both for the mission that has been uh, God's mission for us, which has been a guiding principle for decade, over a decade, and our vision, which changes every three or so years. Today, I want to share it with you. Our mission statement, it's this. As a church anchored in the north end of Hamilton, we exist to join God as the Spirit builds Christ's kingdom in our lives, neighborhoods, and cities. And city. There's a couple of alterations we've made here. Right? I want you to know what hasn't changed. This is still Trinitarian. It's about joining God, the Father, as His Spirit builds Christ's kingdom. But we've altered a couple of things in this mission statement. One is this. We've altered that it's we joining instead of Houston joining because we're no longer Houston. And I'll get to the second one in a moment. We still believe we're anchored in the north end of Hamilton. This is still where God has asked us to be. And part of that anchoring of God's calling on our lives to be here in the north end of Hamilton includes that God has called us to invite neighbors right into the building with us, many who were being displaced, who were struggling in our neighborhood as a neighborhood has been gentrifying. I mean, City Hall just gave permission just around the corner from Amy and I to allow a 10-story building to go up. It's all condos, higher-end condos, looking on the go station, right? That is what's happening in our neighborhood. If you drive down to Williams today when we're done the service, And you look down over the waterfront, you'll see that Williams, the area around there, is road ready for the coming nine uh, condo buildings, 1,600 units along the water. Right? All higher end. That's what's happening there. That's what's occurring. And it's happening all around us. So as it was occurring, we said, wow, God, we believe that you've placed a call on our lives to care for those that are marginalized in this neighborhood, What does that look like? And it looked like for us putting housing in this building. We are still anchored in the north end of Hamilton, unapologetically. This is where God has placed this church since 1886. We want to join his spirit as his kingdom is being built in our lives. We want God's kingdom to be built in us, firstly, as God works in each of us individually, calling us to Christ's likeness. And then in our neighbourhoods, it used to say neighbourhood. We recognise that as the demographics of our neighbourhood changes, price values go up exponentially. I mean, you may have read this recently, right? Financial Post had an outstanding article just the last uh, couple of weeks around why home values in Hamilton have gone up exponentially. One of the main reasons is the condo market in Toronto has cooled. Why is the condo market in Toronto cooled? It's cooled because as people were having to work from home and do home gym, they needed more space. So the condo market has actually shrunk, at least in Toronto. And so the most natural place where people were moving, they had a whole ton of research done, was Hamilton. It's why the market has been so hot in Hamilton. Because anywhere else within the GTA was either too expensive for them to be able to renovate, to have the home office, sometimes two home offices, because both um, adults in the home were working from home, and gym space. And so Hamilton became the place to go. That's why, if you watched just a few weeks ago, when people were trying to buy in Hamilton, homes were going 150, dollars $170,000 over-asking. Over-asking. And so we recognize that one of the neighborhoods that has gone up predominantly more than any other has been this one. Because of the waterfront access. And because of the waterfront access, we've realized, okay, God, as that is occurring, as that is happening... What, it, what is our call in this? And we realize that many of you are now living in other neighborhoods. And how is it that we are used of God together to reach the various neighborhoods that we live in? We believe, of course, that being predominantly in the urban core of Hamilton itself. And of course, then also in our city as God longs to that in our city. So the elders of James North Baptist Church believe that God's vision for us over the next three years includes a deepened focus in these three areas. Spirit-filled fellowship, spirit-dependent salvation, and spirit-reliant sanctification. We recognize in the area of fellowship that there's been a gap. Not everyone experiences this. But as a church grows, you typically need three levels of connection. In a single-cell or model church where you can know the name of everyone in that church, typically up to 100 to 120, you don't need these multiple levels of connection. But as a church grows beyond that, you do need them. And we recognize that gap. One of the areas that we think has gone exceptionally well for our church is the area of community groups or small groups. Numbers of people being involved with them, numbers of people participating. But what happens on a Sunday, and I realize we're gathering in smaller numbers now, but in the spring, pre COVID, is that not interesting that we are now going to have like a post and pre COVID life experience? Pre COVID, and we gather with about 350 of us on some Sundays. As we gathered in there, if your community group happened to be absent that day, you could feel pretty lost. You'd be looking around and be like, huh, who do I talk to right now? And if you're more introverted, trying to figure out who you talk to that may not know you and you may not know them is a bit of a challenge. So we recognize that we need these community groups that gather of typically 10 to 12. And then we need a larger size group of typically 50 to 80 where people become familiar with that group of people and they know them well recognizing that what that means at a church our size is that no one will any longer know everyone at the church. That just won't happen. Just won't be possible. It's not where we're heading. It's not who we are. It's not a possibility any longer. But we need to know more than just the people in our community group. And so that means a larger group of people for which we gather around. So this is a statement, and then I'm going to pass, toss into some, some of the scriptures as well. We long for every person at James North Baptist Church to experience a deepening fellowship with God as Father, Son, and Spirit, as well as with each other. We yearn for, to experience the wholeness offered in the gospel as we cultivate and nurture spirit-filled friendships demonstrated by sacrificial love and service to one another. This will be expressed in the ways we celebrate with, care for, serve, and forgive each other. Our desire is that each of us would know and use the gifts God has given us to edify and encourage each other. We believe our unity and fellowship will be a witness of his reconciling love to our neighborhoods, to our neighborhoods. So hear this from 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 7 says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. So dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Did you catch that? All of the one another, the love one another, love one another, what's it birthed out of? It's birthed out of the love that God has expressed for us. John is really clear that because God has loved us and would go to any extent possible to save us, would send his son to live among us perfectly, die for our sin, explained so well in the video, be resurrected because he'd done nothing wrong. Because God loved us that much, now we should love each other just like that. He said, love isn't that you loved God but that he loved us. So now, since God loved us, love each other. He said, your calling to each other as God has loved you is to now love each other. And God's love is made complete. He's greatly exalted. He's satisfied when we love each other out of his love for us, for us. And so there are th- things in the statement that we made very intentionally. We long to be connected to God. We want, we want a deepening experience with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. We recognize that each of us in various areas of our lives are broken. And we long for that brokenness to be healed by the power of God. And as that's healed, we long then to be nurtured by Spirit-filled friendships. Not just friendships where a group of people get together and watch a hockey game, though that's fine. Get together and talk shop, though that's fine. But friendships where what God is doing in your life is pivotal and central to who you are. Friendships by which you're having spirit-filled conversations, encouraging each other in your walk with Christ. And that that leads to a way of living that includes sacrificial love for each other and serving each other. That just very naturally, out of the outflow of who you are, you begin to serve other believers, other people that you know. You sacrificially come alongside of them and love them in Jesus' name. Can you think of a believer in the last couple of weeks that you've sacrificially loved in Jesus' name? That you've actually come alongside of intentionally and purposely, and you've walked alongside of them in their point point in time of need, and you've sacrificially loved them. You've come alongside and cared for them. I long to be able to make a statement like that and have every head in this room nod. Yeah, you know, I did that in the last couple of weeks. Actually, we did that a few times. That's just part of who we are. It's part of the ebb and flow of who we are as believers. And then as part of that, as we love one another, as John has called us to, and you can see all of these one another's in Scripture, whether it's loving one another, whether it's it's serving one another, whether it's being hospitable to one another, whether it's forgiving one another, whether it's being united to one another. There's even kiss each other or one another with a holy kiss. Greet each other with a holy kiss. I'll leave that one for another pastor to explain. But here you have this. Our desire is also that we will be able to celebrate with, care for, serve, and forgive each other. Peter says it really clearly. Love covers over a multitude of sin. And we need to be a people that love each other in such a way that as Colossians says, we forgive as God forgives. No one should ever come to me saying they can't be in a community group with so-and-so. They can't serve on a team with so-and-so. We need to love as God has called us to love and forgive as God has called us to forgive. And then we long to be able to know and understand the gifts that God has given us. That's why we use this DISC this great tool, the disc analysis, to understand how God has gifted you, what does that look like, and how does God long to use the gifts he's given you in the lives of other people, both for the edification of the church and witness to the world. Well, that's one of our statements. And the next one is this, spirit-dependent salvation. We pray that all of James North Baptist Church would live incarnationally with those that God has placed in in our lives, sorry, in our, in our lives and on our hearts. While we continue to offer ministries and programs that will reach those living in the North End, we recognize that this is a two-tier approach that combines balancing our corporate call to reach the North End while prayerfully supporting each other as we share the gospel with those God has granted us relationship and influence with. We desire to grow in our passion for the lost, maturing in both our understanding of the Spirit's role as well as our dependence on Him for their salvation and As we declare the hope we have in Christ, we pray that every person at James North will grow to be as burdened for the salvation of our friends, family, neighbors, and associates as God is. And so here, as we analyze this, we recognize the gap was this. God has granted all of us connection with unbelieving friends, family, associates, neighbors, colleagues at work. God has also corporately granted us as a church an amazing connection with numbers of unbelievers in this neighborhood and around. And yet we long to see God so powerfully by his spirit bring conviction into people's hearts and transformation into their lives that people are indeed saved. We recognize as we kind of agonize over this that at times, man, there's, there's long periods of time when we don't see baptism when we haven't seen someone come to faith in Christ, and we long to see people come to faith in Christ, turning to Christ, trusting in him, whether that's the children of our own families that we love and care for and desire to know Christ, whether that's kids and youth in our ministries, those that are coming to Coffees Honor the Hub, those that we're reaching in a variety of ways, whether that's the Karen, Pastor Marcio and I will meet with the leadership team of the Karen Church that meets with us this afternoon. We met with them two weeks ago. They'll start to meet next Sunday, and numbers of them, as they came to Canada, were infiltrated, I'll say, because I think that's really what happened, by the Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons. And their misunderstanding of English were taken out of the Christian faith, now in a cult. And what's God's call on our lives? To walk alongside of them, to love them in Jesus' name, and to point them to Christ. 1 Corinthians 2 tells us this, Paul says that when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Paul says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's our prayer. Jesus, that you would be the centerpiece, that we would proclaim you and you alone. This isn't about our church, about housing, about passive house. This isn't about our ministries, our Christmas hampers. This is about you, Lord Jesus. That we would resolve, that's a strong word, determined to decide to know nothing but Jesus Christ and crucified. So I came in weakness, fear, and trembling. My message and my preaching, verse four, were not with wise and persuasive words, but rather with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. It's the Spirit who convicts. It's the spirit who opens the eyes of someone. It's the spirit's work to do that. So we need to continually rely on God's spirit with this two-tiered focus, the one being on this neighborhood, recognizing that God has blessed us with this facility in this neighborhood. And so Lord, as we continue with ministries like the Hub and Coffee's On, maybe expand into other ministries, offer a soccer league, continue to bless this neighborhood with youth ministry and children's ministry God, corporately and collectively, would you use us to reach a neighborhood for Christ? Would you allow us to see those who've lived here for generations come to faith and knowledge of you? And God, would you reach those who are moving in with the gospel powerfully? And then God, recognizing that you've placed each of us in neighborhoods, would you grant us to be as burdened for the neighbors around us, for the colleagues at work, for our family members as you are? God, would you do that for each and every one of us? We long that everyone at our church is able to first clearly be able to articulate the gospel. They know the gospel because God has saved them. And then they're able to articulate it, not necessarily in a crowd, but in a one-on-one conversation. That when they're having coffee with someone, when they're enjoying an opportunity to just chill with someone, they can say, hey, do you know what I believe about Jesus? I just have this opportunity to explain the gospel with someone. We know John 3, 16 well, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not die but have eternal life. You see, God so loved. And one of the reasons we should be amazed at God's love is not simply the breadth of it, how wide it is, but the depth of it. God loved us while we were his enemy, when we wanted nothing to do with him. And we want to become like him in loving others. So, if you were going to put something in there, what would we put? For James North so loved the North End? For James North so loved the Karen? For James North so loved the marginalized? What what if I put your name there? For Dave so loved his engineering colleagues. For Kelly so loved her nursing colleagues. And then what would we be willing to sacrifice to be able to introduce them to Jesus? God was willing to sacrifice his son so that we could have a relationship with him. He grants us a wholeness as we experience that and a deepening of fellowship and family as we love each other so that then we can go out into the world to share the love that God has granted us with others. If you were just to say, God, would you grant me the same love? God, would you help me to see every person that my eyes set themselves upon as someone who's lost? And then, God, would you specifically burden me for some? God, would you specifically burden me for some? God, some days would I just go home from work and just weep on the way home for the lostness of my workplace? God, sometimes would I just leave the youth ministry that I'm serving here and just weep? over the lostness of the youth that I'm longing for you to come, that I long to to come to Christ. And God, would I know that you love them more than I do? Would I know that you long for them to know you more than I do? God, would you grant me your heart? Would you grant me your heart in loving the lost, and caring for them? And so we want you to begin to walk through your neighborhoods and pray for them. And say, God, is this the place where you are burden me? Walk through your workplaces and pray for it. God, is this the place where you would burden me? Some of you are going to be burdened for the marginalized. You're going to end up here, walking through these halls, saying, God, would you bless me as I'm helping at Copies Honor the the Harbor, Youth Ministry, or Children's Ministry. I can keep naming them. And we're going to have this two-tiered approach, celebrating where God is calling you to reach the lost and where God is calling us to reach the lost. And sometimes it will be finding other people around you. Maybe there's three or four other families from James North in your neighborhood, and together you'll be reaching that neighborhood for Christ. And then spirit-reliant salvation. We long to grow in our Christ-likeness as we rely on the Spirit who sanctifies us. We pray that the Spirit will examine each of our hearts and lives, healing us from wounds we've experienced and bringing us to a place of repentance for our rebellion against God. We will increasingly depend on the Spirit as He restores our hearts, so we can delight in being the Father's children, and as He renews our minds to the beliefs and behaviors of Christ's kingdom. We will prayerfully grow in our understanding of the way the Spirit opens our eyes, both individually and communally, to the truth of God's Word and transforms our lives so we can fully celebrate the Father's redemptive work in us. This wasn't necessarily a gap, as we identified in the other two. This may have just been a need. We recognize, as our culture continues to shift, in the way that we're entertained, in the way that media portrays itself, in the education system and what's being taught, in hallway and water cooler conversations, that everything has shifted. The world's values have truly become inverse of the kingdoms. That's always been the case but in a way that is predominantly expressed now, you can see it. I mean, at one time, people would just say, well, you know, I just don't believe what you believe about the Bible. Now I have colleagues that will talk to me and say, well, Dwayne, what you believe about the Bible is dangerous. It's anti-intellectual. What you believe is actually, they actually will say what we believe is immoral. What we believe is immoral. Repressive, archaic, stone-aged. And so it's just simply dismissed. And so then that philosophy, that ideology just works its way into the church. And all of a sudden you hear people talking to each other in Christian circles about things that are simply off base when it comes to Scripture. And so in Ephesians 1, the Word of God says this, verse 17. Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened or enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the glorious inheritance for his holy people, his incomparable great power for all who believe. Paul's saying, I I get what's going on here. It's so easy to be blinded by the forces of the world and to assume that the way that the world is living is accurate and true. And Paul says, my prayer is that your eyes will be opened to the truth of the gospel and that God's spirit would do so. And so we need to rely on his Spirit. God, would you open my eyes to the truth? God, would you reveal truth to me? That's why every time I study the Word, as I come to it daily to read it in my devotions or in my work, Spirit of God, open my eyes to what your Word says. I can't understand it on my own. Spirit of God, I need you to do that. And we need God's Spirit to align us to his kingdom values, to his way of doing things. Restoring our hearts, being children of God, and delighting in that. Being aligned with the beliefs and behaviors of Christ's kingdom. Both and, not either or. Believing that the truth of God's word will transform us by his spirit. And so these are our three categories, Andrew, you guys can come up. We believe that God has called us to grow in our understanding of spirit-filled fellowship of spirit-dependent salvation and spirit-reliant sanctification. So what do we do from here? We'll talk about it briefly tonight, but over the next year, we plan to unpack a plan to actually create a strategy for each of these categories. These aren't just statements for us. These are things that we plan to work on and say, okay, now as we gather, right, we created these statements. We gathered groups of our leaders from our church on two occasions, to come and give feedback on these statements. So a group of leaders from our church gathered with us, probably 25 people or so in the end, to give feedback on these statements. And now we're at the place where we're gonna gather some people with us for each of these areas and say, okay, God, how do we actually put traction to it? How do we actually grow in spirit-filled fellowship? What does that look like for us? What kinds of things should we be having? What kinds of things should we be doing? What kinds of things should we be hosting? How do we grow in spirit-dependent salvation one of our dreams is that every year we'd be celebrating more and more the baptisms of people that God is saving. And how do we grow in a place as the world is moving further and further from you where we're so reliant on the Spirit for his sanctification that though the world's ideology and philosophy may tell us to live a certain way, we know without hesitation or doubt that God's Spirit is calling us to live another. Would you pray with me? God, I am thankful to be part of a team of elders that... Longs to very carefully understand where we are at as James North Church. And then prayerfully consider where you're calling us. And God, to serve alongside of those who gather with us from uh, many, many other parts of the church in leadership capacities to help ratify this and think through this and identify other gaps and, and wordsmith, God, we are blessed. And now, God, we long for these things to be true of us, that we would each experience a true and deep fellowship with each other here that only your Spirit can provide, that we would see people, those living beside us, those living around us, both here around James North and around the neighborhoods where we're in, colleagues at work, friends and family members who don't know you, our own children. God, we rely on your Spirit for their salvation. And as the world moves further and further from you, Spirit of God, may you anchor us in the truth of the Word of God that our beliefs and behaviors may be aligned not with this world, but that of Christ's kingdom. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.